Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. Jess is out today, and my good friend, Father Frank Pavone, is with us at least once a month. Why is he with us? Because the work of the pro-life effort that their organizations, Priests for Life, are doing. Father Frank, thanks for joining us. Great to be with you again, Terry. You know, Father, if I could describe you, you're the guy that says, never worry about who will be offended if you speak the truth. (laughs) You say, worry about who will be misled, deceived, and destroyed if you don't. Now, there's no name on that quote. I, I buy that because truth is what's important, and the truth about life is needing to be explained. So we're going to talk about the uh, abortion issue and how we can better defend life this whole hour. Now, f- ladies and gentlemen, you notice I have Father Frank on for the whole hour. It's not just a one-segment thing to talk about it. L- let me explain why I keep calling Father Frank back and back. I'll tell you why. Because if we don't have the abortion, if we don't have the life issues right— We won't get anything right. And so it's just important that we, as followers of Christ, and my crucifix, that's who we follow. We don't follow a priest. We don't follow a bishop or a pope. We follow Jesus Christ, okay? He is the way, the truth, and life. And he said this in his first part of his ministry, repent and believe in the gospel. So that's what we do. Part of repenting and believing in the gospel is standing up for the life of the unborn, in my opinion. So we're going to cover that and much, much more. Father, I'd like to read the gospel for today. We're recording this uh, on November 9th, the dedication of the Lateran Basilica in Rome. And I know you've been there because you worked with the uh, Vatican office for years when pro-life with John Paul II. So I've, I've been there probably four or five times. It's a beautiful church. All right, so I'll read the gospel. And then if you could give us a little commentary. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Since the Passover of the Jews was near, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. He found in the temple area those who were sold ox, sheep, and doves, as well as the money changers seated there. He made a whip out of the cords. He drove them all out of the temple area with the sheep and the oxen and spilled the coins of the money changers overturned their tables. And to those who sold doves, he said, take those out of here and stop making my house, my father's house, a marketplace. His disciples recalled the words of scripture. Zeal for your house will consume me. At this, the Jews answered and said to him, what sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple in three days, I will raise it up. The Jews said, This temple has been under construction for 46 years, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. Therefore, when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this. And they came to believe the scripture and the word of Jesus had spoken the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, Father, that's exciting. Very very profound gospel, and it it conveys a very profound truth. Yes. The importance of the human body. Yeah. Uh, You know, this is an interesting feast. Let's comment first on the feast itself. Okay. The whole Catholic world... Mm -hmm celebrates the dedication of one building in Rome. 
Yep. Like, what does that have to do with Catholic parishes in South Africa, right. uh, Asia, South America, or New York City? One church in Rome. Now, as you said, you've been there. I've had the privilege of saying mass there. Wow. It is the on the on the outside of that basilica. There are the words in Latin that say the mother and head of all churches. Wow. Now, why? Because that's the cathedra of the Holy Father. That's the Holy Father's uh, basilica. That, that's the Holy Father's cathedral. So the cathedral of any bishop is the is the point from which he is supposed to exercise his ministry of teaching the faith. So because it's the Bishop of Rome, this is the teaching of the faith for the whole world. So that church has a significance for the whole world because the whole Catholic world adheres to the same teaching. Now, it's the physical building that matters because it's the anniversary of its dedication. And Jesus points out in that gospel passage the importance of the physical building. He's offended that in the physical confines of that building, which is meant to be a, a space for prayer, this buying and selling is taking place. Not that buying and selling are evil in and of themselves, but it's the wrong place for it. So, and then he talks about the importance of the physical when he refers to his body. You and I are not saved by some kind of thought that God has in his <laughs> mind or act of his will that he could have just exercised spiritually. No, we are slaved through the flesh of Jesus Christ. His flesh and blood we eat and drink in the Eucharist. It is his flesh nailed to the cross, his blood shed from the cross that brings us uh, the victory over sin and death. So he said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. So here's the sign, the great sign of God's love that he sacrificed himself on the cross, mm -hmm. the great sign of his power over evil, that his death and resurrection abolished it. But the, 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 the significance here is of the human body. Because when Jesus said, destroy this temple, he was talking about the same kind of human body that we all have. We all share one human nature, by the way, also shared by the unborn. So it's one humanity that Jesus has brought into union with God and through his death and resurrection has brought to the heights of heaven. And that humanity matters in the flesh. Uh, this is a key lesson for the culture of life. This is a key lesson yes. as we fight against abortion. Because some people will say, well, you know, the main thing is that, you know, we convert the minds and hearts of people or that, the, you know, we want to keep the keep these mothers from committing a terrible sin uh, that could endanger their salvation. Or we want to give them the, the forgiveness and healing. All that is true. But we also want to stop the physical destruction of God's temple which is the, 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 the body of that baby. We do want to save the physical life. We can't afford in, in our Catholic faith to somehow uh, make that a secondary point or, or somehow dismiss that, oh, well, you know, it's not so much about the physical life, you know. No, it is about the physical life. Jesus called the human body a temple, uh, and of course that image is continued in uh, Paul's epistles. It, it, we are a dwelling place of the spirit in God. Destroying the human body is destroying the human person. And this is something that uh, in a culture of life, we recognize, we revere, we honor, and we protect that human flesh, 
which is a manifestation of the person and is a manifestation, of course, of God himself. Well said. I love it, man. Great catechesis. Thank you. We need more of that. All right, let's bring the smartest guy into the room, Archbishop Fulton Sheen. All right, here's what Bishop Sheen, I'll say full Sheen ahead every day. He said this about sin, because this is really an issue in our culture and in our church that we need to really understand well. Bishop Sheen says, nobody likes to hear the word sin today, but we will begin to be happier when we realize that maybe most of our troubles come from the fact that we are sinners. Hmm. He says, those who say that sin begets a guilt complex hope to scare the cure away by name-calling. Oh, that was insightful. Because, Bishop Sheen says, a person is sick and asks for a physician, does he have a sickness complex? You see what his point is? I think that his common sense about sin makes so much sense for us. And Father Frank, this was written 65 years ago. Wow. Yeah. You see how this man's insights apply? You know, and I'll tell you why it's still, because truth doesn't change. We can talk about the sin of, a, uh, the, uh, of the sacredness of life a thousand years from now. It'll still have the same value of life. Nothing changes. There's no expiration date. So I thank God that we have Bishop Sheen, and I want to pray that his cause for the beatification will soon be resolved so that we have a model like Bishop Sheen. I, I have to tell you one thing, Father Frank, that maybe you were there in Philadelphia. Were you at the Eucharistic Congress in 1976 in Philadelphia? I was not there physically, but I was watching it on TV as a high school student. Wow. Well, because Bishop Sheen was there with Mother Teresa, as you know. Yes. And he talked about the life in the womb at the Congress. And he talked about Mary uh, at Mary, Mary as the uh, t- tabernacle of the Holy Eucharist as being the first tabernacle. And I just think that if we really understand the sacredness of life, we would drop more to protect the unborn. And I, I want to talk when we come back from the break, yes, about Ohio, and there's a lot of other topics, but I want to bring up one thing that, that still, I think, is an important fact, and that is we as a church, we as members, individuals, including myself, haven't done enough to stop abortion. And I'm convinced that if we re- really resolved as a church, I would say the church in general, we, this wouldn't have happened because we got caught with our hands in our pockets and not seeing what was going on with the culture of death. So I'd like to talk about the fundamentals of defending life. And if you don't mind, Father, I know it's not a nice topic. Describe to our listeners. I mean, the the silent scream does that about what abortion is, but I don't think we've really realized the heinous crime that takes place with a baby. And we'll talk about that and also all the other pro-life laws that are coming and we're less than a year away from major elections. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Father Frank Ravone filling in for Jesse today, talking about the sacredness of life. Father Frank, I know this isn't even nice to hear, but I have to tell you, 
Uh, when I saw the October 7th attack on Israel and they showed these little kids being killed, you know what first came to my mind? The innocent babies that are being killed in abortion. Me too. Really? That was my first thought. Absolutely. Well, you know, because, you know, in our case, I mean, we're talking about abortion all the time, you and I and, and, and many others that are in ministry. And it's like we're always talking about it in terms of the beheading of babies, and yes. the decapitation of babies. Right. And then when we see this this horrific thing that took place with the, the decapitation of born babies, yes. we can't help but thinking uh, that, hey, wait a minute, it would have been just as wrong to decapitate that same baby. That's right when he or she was in the womb. Exactly. So that's my question right now. Uh, I know that it's not pleasant to talk about what actually takes place to the baby, but I have been uh, at clinics, I've been praying the rosary, and sometimes people get mad that I bring these images of aborted babies, and you can see the disembarred babies. And I, I go, well, yeah, it's hard to see, but... Hey, Father, I think there's merit to get wake people up to see that this is actually taking place every day. You know, I'm glad you bring this up. Why don't we, let's really, once and for all, confront this head on with right. our friends that are watching. Yeah. And I say our friends, you know, very often it is in our own circles. Yes. Catholic circles, pro-life circles. Let's, let's, I mean, beside, before we address the general public and the pro-abortion people out there, Let's talk in-house, in the family for a moment. Good. Why is it that people are getting upset? Uh, you know, whether you or I, you know, will will bring a, a sign like that or show a photo yeah. or I mean, what, what what's going on here? What what's the source of the upsetment? Um, do, when they get upset with you uh, for doing that, do they give any kind of rational reason uh, yeah. for 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 the upsetment? Yeah, they they say that's not what. Sometimes I get that they put that away. That's not what. That's not really what's going on here. They they, they deny it. I've had that Ooh. denial. Well, in that case, I would just recommend a book called Abortion Practice by Warren Hearn. He's an abortionist in Boulder, Colorado, and uh, uh, in fact, you can just go to you know. I mean, you could go to that medical textbook, but I'm going to read actually read you some quotes from that medical textbook. Okay. But the, 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 what an abortion is, and we, it's, we, we have to start with that. What an abortion is, is not a matter of opinion. Right. It, it, it's not yeah. like your opinion about what abortion is or my opinion. We're, we're not talking about the, the moral or philosophical, oh, it's the taking of a human life, if life is of infinite value. We're not talking about that. We're talking about what is the procedure of abortion? How is it actually carried out? And would a picture like you or I show uh, represent accurately what yeah. the abortion uh, actually is? Well, we have, uh, you know, just the day yesterday, the day before we were taping this episode, I was in Michigan for their March for Life mm -hmm. and uh, met up with my colleague in the pro-life uh, leadership, uh, Dr. Monica Miller, someone that yeah, know uh, well. you know as well. Absolutely. Um, and she and I have been involved in, she was carrying one of those signs that show, you know, show the, the bodies of an aborted baby. And she and I have been involved in the burial of many of those babies over the years. And it's like we didn't make that up. We photographed the babies that you know were found in the in the dumpster. So people are you know it's quite a it, it it's I would say it even goes to the point of being disrespectful yeah. of of us. Sure. To just jump to that conclusion. Oh, that's not the way it really. Is. Yeah. How do you know that that's not the way it really is? 
that they, have you seen that, you know, that, that, that what an abortion is? I mean, it's not, we didn't make up those photos. So that's, uh, that's one thing. And, um, you know, but I have, let me read a quote here. Yeah. I mean, I, I, our audience is mature enough to realize that, you know, this is going to be a, a unpleasant stuff, but this textbook, Abortion Practice, right? Yeah. So here's what he says in, in, in one of the paragraphs in here. The procedure changes significantly at 21 weeks because the fetal tissues become much more cohesive mm-hmm. and difficult to dismember. Oh. Whoa, whoa, wait, wait, let's wait right there. Dis- but what did you say, doctor? Yeah. Dismember? It's not a pro-life treatise here. This oh. is a, the, 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 the doctor who does abortion. Dismember. Then he goes on to say, the problem, the problem is accentuated by the fact that the fetal pelvis may be as much as five centimeters in width. The calvaria, the head, is no longer the principal problem. It can be collapsed. Other structures such as the pelvis prevent more difficulty. And then listen to this line. In, in light of what you said, too, yeah. about this terrorism that we saw, yeah. he, he says, a long curved mayo scissors may be necessary to decapitate and dismember the fetus. Unbelievable. So, right. hey, we didn't write this. Did, did this come from the Terry and Jesse nope. show? Nope. <laughs> this come from Priest for Life? Nope. No. This is the, the medical textbook on abortion. And here use, they're using words, decapitate and dismember. When we use them, people yell at us. It's, oh, well, well, you know, you're, either they say you're making it up or they say, Oh, well, it's not appropriate to use that oh, language. Yeah, that like, well, then, yeah. well, then how are we going to defeat the enemy if we can't name the enemy? Right. How are we going to solve the problem if we can't identify the problem? Right. Well, I say don't put your head in the sand. We have to call it for what it is. It's the innocent life being murdered. And uh, I, I didn't realize, I, I do not have that book, but boy, I, sometimes I wonder if they actually, Father, believe that, yes, it's, it's killing a baby, but who cares? They, they do. They do. They, they do say that. And uh, I talked personally with a number of abortionists and M- Martin Haskell being one of them. He was the one whose medical paper out of Ohio years ago, this would be the early 90s, uh, described the partial birth of what came to be known as partial birth abortion. He was the key practitioner of it and he was teaching others how to do it. And it was his medical paper wow. that spurred the whole national debate on that matter, which ended up leading to a law that prohibits it on a federal level. Uh, I said to him, I said, you know, uh, Dr. Hearn, um, you know that this is a child, don't you? And here's what he said to me. Yes, I know it's a child. Mm -hmm. But to me, the question becomes, I'm not sure if the child has a soul. What? So I said to him, so what? If, if, you, if, if you don't know if the unborn child has a soul, how do you know if a born child has a soul? And if you're not sure that a born child has a soul, does that give you the right to kill the born child? Why does, the, why does a question about the soul yeah. justify you tearing the body apart? Yeah, great question. Uh, and this goes back, doesn't it, to our, our gospel reflection yes, earlier in the show. Yep. It's not just about destroying a, a soul. It, you destroy a body. That's all you need to know yeah. about whether abortion is right or wrong. You're destroying the body. Don't start getting so spiritual about it. Oh, I don't know if there's a soul or not. Because you know what, Terry, then that can justify somebody coming up to an adult 
and killing them and then saying in the courtroom, oh, your honor, I didn't, I, I didn't know if he had a soul. And the judge is gonna say, so what? This is not a theology class. You can't kill somebody. It doesn't matter what you think about souls. Well, maybe my analogy is bad and just tell me it is, Father, but if you were hunting and you saw something moving in the bushes and you weren't sure it was a deer that you were trying to shoot or it was maybe someone was just back there, would you say, well, I'll just shoot and find out that it was a, it was a human being and I just yeah. killed a human being? No, you would say, I can't do that because I don't know so I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to err on being cautious and not shooting in the bushes. Now, that that's right. A bad that, analogy. That's a classic. Yeah, that's a classic analogy in, in, in moral moral yeah. theology, yeah. The, the, the practical doubt, as it's yeah, called. Yeah, practical and, doubt. You know, or if you're going to let's say there's a demolition uh, a, a building is designated for demolition before those those experts, uh, uh, you know, implode that building. You can you gonna bet they're gonna be absolutely sure there's nobody inside, right? I mean you can't you can't even have a margin of doubt there, right? And uh, and that and that and that raises the question in regard to abortion. Okay, you're not sure. Yeah. If even if they're not talking in terms of souls, just oh, I'm not sure if it's a human life or not. Or even the see the Supreme Court in Roe v. Wade, which thank God is now overturned, Amen. but. <clears throat> Roe v. Wade violated the principle of the practical doubt that you just that you just illustrated because it said, on the one hand, we don't know when human life begins. They they said that explicitly. It's not in our competence yeah. to decide right. when a human life begins. Okay, so on the one hand they said that, and then on the other hand they said, oh, but you don't have to protect you don't have to protect the unborn, whatever you want to call that life inside. You don't need to you don't need to protect them. Well, how can you say two of those things at the same time? If you're not sure if it's a human life, then you've got to say we have to refrain from destroying it until we are sure. Mm -hmm. But they said both we are unsure, but you can also destroy it. Well said. I, I think you make very, very good points. Before we take a break, Father, and then we're going to talk a little bit about what happened in Ohio and Kentucky and elections, and we can talk a little bit about how to prepare for next year's election. Can you give us some websites that are good resources for us to defend life? For example, many of us listeners are at the clinics, the uh, brochures, um, counseling. Uh, at what resources can you offer our listeners, please? Well, for, for, for first of all, for prayer, whether privately or outside at those clinics, mm -hmm. like you said, in the prayer vigils, ProLifePrayers.com. That's one of our many websites. ProLifePrayers.com will give you a lot of uh, uh, good information. In terms of doing pro-life things, um, particularly <clears throat> as churches, uh, I know many of our, our listeners are involved very actively in their parish, and they may have some influence, uh, or we have some priests or deacons listening. ProLife.Church. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a website where we have a lot of practical activities for parishes to do and 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 just individuals can 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 get involved in them too prolife.church and then of course our main website endabortion.us will bring people all kinds of resources articles educational pieces the kind of information I was just reading here about the abortion procedure so endabortion.us uh, prolife.church and prolifeprayers.com what about an individual who's had an abortion even if they had it 25 years ago, they're now yeah. 50 years old, and that's still bothering them. What about the Project Rachel and things that you have to help those people work through that? 
Can you tell us about Yes, that? that's right. We set up a special website called Abortion Forgiveness. Mm, that's it. Abortionforgiveness.com will uh, lead people to the actual ministries for healing, one of which we oversee, Rachel's Vineyard, the largest one. Um, so the uh, abortionforgiveness.com is a place where they can put their zip code and they will find the nearest help available. Excellent. So many people need this help and we want them to know, again, as we always say, we who reject abortion do not reject those who have had abortion. Amen. We welcome them with the mercy of Christ. Oh, well said. When we come back, I'd like to talk a little bit what happened in Ohio on Tuesday in Kentucky. Yes. And then let's talk, we're less than a year away, folks. Can you imagine? To, oh boy. I mean, the election's gonna be here before we know it. And I really think it's important that we have a strategy for the unborn. And I'd like to have Father Frank share with us what his thoughts are and how we can better prepare for a pro-life victory next November. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show. Now I'm going to say, Father Frank, promote Terry Barber. We're too blessed to be stressed. We're too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, we'd both be billionaires because our hope is in Jesus Christ. Stay with us, family. We'll be back after a quick break. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Father Frank Pavone with us talking about the saving of the unborn. Father Frank, last Tuesday, we had elections and in Ohio and Kentucky, and it didn't go well for the unborn from what I could see. Uh, the uh, Not only on that, I think they even did things like legalize um, marijuana in, in Ohio. They just, it was a lot of uh, liberal uh, voters uh, voting for things that they shouldn't be voting for that are not gospel values. So tell us a little bit your take on the election and how we can um, make sure that in the future we get better results by our activity involved. Well, first of all, you know, in regard to abortion, yeah. uh, the left is trying to create a narrative. Mm -hmm. Now, we, want, we didn't want this issue one to pass. Mm -hmm. um, and so its passage is, is a disaster in that sense. Yeah. But it's not the narrative that the left is trying to create. They're trying to paint abortion overall as a losing issue. They're trying to say that the Republican Party uh, is out of touch with the American mainstream when it says that abortion right. should, be, uh, should be eliminated and the baby should be protected. That's a narrative we do not accept. Obviously, the vote went the wrong way. But why? It's not because the Ohio people buy into unlimited abortion, like, like Planned Parenthood and the Democrat Party want. How do we know it's not that? First of all, there's never been a single poll, either in Ohio or anywhere in the United States, yeah. anywhere in the history of the abortion debate, that has shown a majority of people accepting that position that we should have abortion throughout pregnancy. And, and yet that's what this ballot initiative opens up the door to in Ohio. Yeah. But the other side lies. Yeah. They pumped $35 million into Ohio. Wow. Uh, the the, the, the pro-life side only had like 10, 10 million. And, and, and it came from outside of the state so first of all, so there's people elsewhere that believe in this, that not the people of Ohio. And how do we know that also? Because the people of Ohio have spoken through their legislatures. They passed a heartbeat bill. Now, laws don't get passed in a state, you know, unless you, you've, got, you've got some kind of support among the people, because those lawmakers know that they're accountable to those voters in their district. So there's going to be some correlation there. Right. And the people of Ohio for years, for decades, 
In fact, heartbeat legislation started in Ohio, where you protect the baby as soon as you can detect the heartbeat. That's pretty early on. And Ohio has spoken through its legislature. And it can speak through its legislature again. If the people of Ohio were to change and want to support unlimited abortion or, or at least more abortion than they've allowed, well, the legislatures are open. People can lobby their elected officials, sure. persuade them, and have them introduce a bill. But why don't? Why does the other side not want to do that? They want to preclude that process yeah. by putting in the Constitution unlimited abortion. The reason is they're afraid of the debate. It goes back to what we were saying in the last segment. When you actually read what an abortion is. See, if you have a legislative process, yeah. you're going to have hearings where this information can be brought forward. Good. You're going to have people lobbying their 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 legislators where they can bring them this kind of information. Excellent. You're going to have to wrestle with what abortion actually is. The other side doesn't want that to happen. They just want to have this fiat, and that's what this is. It's a decree yeah. that says our Constitution prohibits the right to abortion from being in any way interfered with. And uh, and then we have this situation where they are the ones out of touch with the American people. You know, Father Frank, I think of stories of pro-life that touch people's souls. I was watching the Republican debate this week, and I, I saw Dukakis talk about, uh, what was his... Um, yeah, the Florida uh, Florida governor was talking about he's pro-life. And I was glad to hear that. Yes. And he, and he said that many years ago there was a Jamaican woman 45 years ago who was going to have a baby. And mm-hmm. she was in a poor country. And the doctors suggested that she abort the baby because she really didn't have the funds to provide for that baby. But right. mama said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have the baby. And she did. And that cup, that mom and that baby migrated to the United States and landed in Florida, he said. And she ended up getting an education and becoming an attorney, a successful attorney. And he said this that touched me. He said, and I had the privilege last September of putting her on the Supreme Court of the state of Florida as a judge. And here's my point. Okay, Father, the point is. That could have been anyone else. I see. Are we really going to take the life of the innocent and thinking that we know better? And how many people have died through abortion who could have been just such wonderful people in this world Mm. that could contribute to society? I'm not talking about priests or nuns. I'm just talking about your your son's wife was murdered through abortion, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. She didn't have, she never had the life. Now, I'm just going to tell one more story and then I'll turn it back to you. But I even, even, I've had this several, many times, I should say, through the grace of God, people have come up to me, and I know they've done this to you a lot more than me, and they said, you were instrumental in saving my baby's life. And I'm like, what? Uh, I don't even know who you are. And the woman tells me, well, about 25 years ago, you used to teach catechism at St. Christopher's Church in West Covina, California. I said, yeah, that's about right. And I was taking your classes. I was 16 years old, and you talked about that if you ever got pregnant, to go visit Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament and pray and ask him to give you insight to save that baby. And that's what I did. And I said, okay. And you walked into that chapel to make a visit, and I was there. And when I saw you, I took it as a sign that I should keep the baby. 
And I said, wow, that's amazing. You know, I, I was, okay. And I thought that was the end of the story. And I'm starting to walk back because it's a women's conference. I got other things to be doing. She grabs my arm, says, wait a minute, I'm not done. I said, what? She says, I want to introduce you to my daughter. Now, the daughter's 25 years old. She comes up with her daughter and says, honey, this is the man that helped me make the decision to not abort you. And I was like, well, so this woman gives me a bear hug. She's mm. crying. And I'll be honest, I was crying. It overwhelmed sure. me, Father, that yeah. God could use you know, a, a guy like me to help someone choose life. But here's the point. I don't have a PhD in anything. I'm just a guy. You know, I always say people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Well, I cared enough to tell her about the sacredness of life. And I think we need to do more of that because I believe that we can stop the killing of the unborn if we make the effort to stop it. That's my thought. That's right. You know, it reminds me of uh, we were doing in New York City the Face the Truth tour. So we had a group of people standing there with the pictures that we were talking about earlier yeah, in the show sure. of the aborted babies. And right. we're standing there just showing the public what abortion yeah. is. Right. A young African-American woman comes up to us. Yeah. And um, she's standing there staring at this, that, at this uh, poster. Yeah. And she just shakes her head and she says, I, I have an appointment for an abortion. Oh, no. But I, I, is this what they're going to do to my child? I can't do this to my child. And, 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 and that was right then and there. She, she changed her mind. Incredible. And we didn't even say a word. We were just showing the picture. And then, we, and then of course, when she, once she said that, we directed her to uh, the you know, pregnancy centers that are nearby. And, sure. and uh, we were in Manhattan. So you know, the, the work of our friend Chris Slattery oh, he's a great um, connected with them. But I mean, sometimes it's as, it's as simple as that. A very similar instance happened when yep. Janet Morana, our oh, executive yeah. director, She's and I were, yeah, we were in North Carolina. So we were standing in front of an abortion mill with one of those signs again of the aborted baby. Yep. So a car is driving up slowly to, to the driveway of the abortion mill and they stop in their tracks mm-hmm. right in the middle of the street. Yeah. And the, both of the driver and the and the young woman in the passenger seat are the staring with their eyes wide open sure. at this picture. Yes. Oh my goodness! I is that an abortion? And we said yes. That's why we're here. This is an abortion. Oh well, we're 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 not we're not. They were stumbling over their word. We're not doing that. We can't do that. Oh my gosh! What are we going to do? So then we said to them, we know a doctor, pro life doctor. Just 10 minutes from here. Yes. Can we can we bring you there and he will help you get through this pregnancy? Wow. They actually said yes. Oh my so God. Janet and I had the car there. So we said, follow us. Okay. So we're driving. And then I said to Janet, I said, wait a minute. We could lose them in traffic, or they can lose their lose their nerve or get afraid, yeah. turn around. If we lose them, what, what, what I said, why don't we pull over into this gas station and Janet, you hop into their car, yeah. make sure they don't turn around. So that's yes, Janet says, these are complete and total strangers. Right. I'm going to go into their car. Yep. And, and you know what? But we both said, you know what? Saving a life is worth it. So we, we pulled into a gas station. She gets out. She says, listen, this is not our destination, but let me ride with you just in case we lose each other in traffic. And then that's what we did. 
we brought them over to this uh, pro-life physician and yes. he just warmly welcomed them in and he accompanied them through the rest of their pregnancy. So it's like, what did it take to save those two lives? Uh, but we hardly did anything. We're just standing there with a, and the a picture, you know, when you say a picture is worth a thousand words or the, the Chinese proverb, I think it's worth 10,000 words. It's literally true. And it's also worth saving a life. So uh, those were just two of many, many examples of how easy it is to save a life. And Father Frank, isn't it fair, our good friend Joe Scheidler, who's gone to his eternal re re reward, he wrote a yeah. book called 99 Ways to Close an Abortion back in the yeah. 90s. Yeah. And he said this, and I've experienced this, if you're present at a clinic praying, the very, the very fact that you're, you're there in front of the clinic bringing up the issue of abortion stops many people from killing their babies. That's just a fact. Has that been your We opinion? know that that's the case. Uh, you know, I might have told you the story of Mark Bomchill. He oh. was a security guard for an abortion facility. Father, up in hold Minnesota. your thought. We're going to take a uh, That's a good okay. teaser for the yeah. break. I want to hear this story about saving lives at a clinic because I think it'll inspire more people. It, it really is not scary to go there. I always encourage people. They say to me, oh, I, I can't go. What happens if the, you know somebody shoots me or you know, look? You're going to go there. You're going to be peaceful. You're going to pray. Your prayers in front of a clinic are very effective. And I really think you should consider seriously coming. And once they come, they come back. It's that first time that they're really scared. And then they can come. When we come back, Father Frank Pavone is going to tell us a story about an individual who helped save a life at a clinic. Stay with us, family. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We'll be back after a quick, quick break. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back. Indeed, Father Frank Pavone is with me. We're talking about how to save babies with pro-life work. You have a story, Father. I call it a pro-life story. Let's hear it. Well, you know, you said before that just showing up saves lives. Yes, you don't I even have to that. say anything. Yeah. You don't even have to know anything. Yeah. Um, Mark Bomchill was a security guard up in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, and uh, I helped him after he came out of the abortion industry. He was working for them, and he said to us, yeah. uh, uh, me and and the and the the other group of pro-life activists that we were with, we were with. He said, uh, you know, he said. Um, I would help get. I would help these women come into the clinic. He says, but once they were inside, a lot of them changed their mind wow. just because you people were out there. Wow. And when they changed their mind, he said, we didn't bring them back out the front door where you people were standing. We brought them out the back door hmm. so that you wouldn't know how many of them turned around. Wow. That is a very instructive uh, thing. That first of all, the pro-abortion people, they always want to hide the information yes. about, about how effective our work is. You know, it's an old war saying, the battle is in the mind of the enemy. The enemy always wants you to think that you're not having the impact that you're having. And uh, uh, the battle is in the mind of the enemy. So for people on the pro-life side to think, oh, well, you know, I'm not sure if this saves lives. No, no, no. Be sure. Yeah. There's no room for doubt. There's no need for doubt. You show up there. You just show up. There's a lot of people... Who are, who, are, who, are, who have abortion appointments, 
They pray on the morning of their abortion, Lord, if you don't want me to do this, send somebody to tell me to stop. I've, I've heard that. They, yes. They literally say that. Yes. And if you're standing there, they know why you're standing there. They know full well why you're standing there. That's the answer to their prayers. You haven't said a single word. You are not asking, you don't have to be getting into a debate. You don't have to be, you know, have the answer to every question. That's not what this is about. This is about the people of God Amen. showing up with the compassion of God expressed like we said. You know, this ties in again with our gospel at the beginning yes, of today's yes. program. This is the living temple of God yeah. showing up in front of that temple of Satan, if we might say so, uh, or that abortion clinic. And, and it's the true church confronting the false church. Uh, it's this is my body given up for you, confronting this is my body, I can kill the baby. Wow. Well said. Father, we've got 10 minutes in this segment. I wanted to talk about some action items that yes. all of us can do. We've got a, less than a year before all the, the big uh, presidential elections yes. coming up. What can we do uh, to help save babies? All right. We have to understand something real. And reality about this political situation is that right now, you know, some people like to say, you know, sometimes even our friends like at the March for Life and whatnot, they'll, they'll, the organizers, I mean, they'll try to say, oh, yeah, well, you know, there's Democrats involved. And sometimes they'll, they'll find, a, you know, a needle in a haystack. They'll find a pro-life Democrat legislator and bring them out. No, no, no. This issue should be, it should be something embraced by everybody, nonpartisan. That's right. But the fact is it's not. Oh. This is something right now where the abortion industry has crystallized in the Democrat Party. It's a fact. The pro, the, the, and, the, and, the, and the Republican Party has adopted and holds on to the pro-life position. Bottom line is right now in America, yes. if, we, if we are going to pass any kind of measures to protect the unborn, it's the it's the it's the Republicans who are going to who are going to do that. Now that doesn't mean that we aren't disappointed in many of them too. Of course. But the fact of the matter is, you're not. Yeah, the Republicans aren't going to solve all your pro-life uh, 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 problems, but the Democrats are going to cause them. Can, can and, I use and, an? And, and I, so, can I interrupt you and use an analogy? And you tell me, Monsignor William Smith gave me this analogy from moral theology. Who's going to move the football towards the touchdown? Who's going to yeah. get me a first down? How, we want the ball moving towards pro-life. And I got to just read both policies, or I should say platforms of the Democrat Party is very clear. It's for killing unborn babies. No it ambiguity. Is. That's it. That's a fact. It is. The Republican platform for, for their pro-life. Now, yeah. now, again, they're not perfect. Jesus Christ isn't running for office. So yeah. My position is what Monsignor taught me in moral theology, and that is that we're going to move the football towards the touchdown. And I believe the Republican Party does that over the Democratic Party. It's as simple as yeah. that. Well, we see the evidence. I mean, the evidence is there. The record is there. It's not even a matter of opinion. It's just the fact of, you know, these last 50 years, any kind of pro-life legislation has gotten through that way. But the point is yep. now, okay, so preparing for this. Yes. First of all, let me give them a website, ProLifeVote.com. Pro we, have, we have an initiative called Pro-Life Vote. And uh, that is our election activity. Um, and there's plenty of stuff that, that can be done in this arena that is completely nonpartisan. Mm -hmm. For example, yes. um, checkyourvoterregistration.com. That's another website we've set up. So people should do right now. This is something we can do. We're not, we shouldn't think about, oh, well, the election is, you know, it's next year. The way we're going to win this of these elections is to start saying the election is now. We are in election season, like right now. Yeah. We begin right now. And the first thing we can begin with is 
am I, is my voter registration up to date? And is that of my friends and, and anybody that I can influence, are their voter registrations up to date? Let's make sure of that first, because we're not gonna be able to win an election without votes. We're not gonna be able to vote unless we're registered. So check your voterregistration.com and bring it and start bringing it up. Now, many people out there that are listening to us, they have social media platforms or websites or ministries, sure. or, or, or maybe you're active in your church. Put out the message. Yeah. Like the US bishops have said, and they can, they can quote the document, Living the Gospel of Life. Voting is a responsibility. Are you registered? Very simple message. Voting is a responsibility. Are you registered? And uh, check your voterregistration.com. Uh, and, and something as simple as that, why don't we all start putting that out there yeah. in our different, um, and now some people will say, oh, but you don't want to put it out there in a blanket way because you know maybe some folks on the other side will register to vote. No, the fact of the matter is, sure, they might, but if you're putting it out among pro-life circles, if you're putting it out among uh, circles of, of, of church-going people, the majority are going to end up voting the right way. The majority, yeah. uh, and and that's what and that's and that and and that that advances the ball down the court. So uh, Terry, things like that. Um, I mean, our website prolifevote.com yeah. is going to have practical measures like that that people can start taking right now. It's going to have updates on the state of the election. We're going to have, we have already daily broadcasts about uh, uh, election-related matters, and we'll have all sorts of informative material about, that can be given to voters and, and to the candidates. Uh, it's a whole big uh, project. We have monthly trainings, yes, too. Great. People might want to sign up on that website, and they would come on a Zoom call Perfect. with me and with our political team every month. Uh, and then as we get closer to the elections, it'll be twice a month. And they will get, uh, uh, you know, on uh, hands-on training yes. in terms of how do we how do we mobilize voters. We also have to begin uh, voting early. Yes. Election day is going to be November the 5th. As you said, we're right. now a little bit less than a year away. That's right. But we, sh we have to change the terminology a little bit because we've been talking about election day and then we say, oh, but you can vote early. What I want people to do is check the date for early voting in the general election in your state and consider that to be election day, the first day of early voting. And then consider every day after that up until and including November 5th, every one of those days yeah. is election day. Can, That's the right mindset to have. Uh, can I make one more suggestion that I've been trying to work on? And some of the Newman centers at the colleges, I live in Southern California, so there's many colleges with 10 million people in the county. Uh, I can go to the Newman Center, which are college kids, give a talk on pro-life to the students. And I think this is important because they're going to be voting for a long time because most of mm. them are like 18, 19, 20 years old. And so I want to, if you're near a college, it might not be you to give the talk. or Maybe Father Frank has that resource, but you know some pro-life organization. Ask if they wouldn't mind allowing a pro-life person to come and talk about the issues of the unborn to the young students. Because what I've found, Father, is when you open their eyes, the young people, they seem more motivated than us old fogies. In the meaning that, <laughs> no, really, I noticed that. They're like, they're more like, what? We're killing unborn babies. That's just not right. I said, you're right. We got to get involved. So I think that's a resource also, the colleges, 
to go to the colleges through the Newman Center. Usually they'll let you come in. I'm going there in about 10 days to, to give a talk on um, to Cal Poly and Pomona on the, the, on the mass. But you can count on me talking about the unborn to those 70 or 80 students that are going to be there. Now, it sounds like it's small, but it's the young that I'm trying to uh, also reach, Father, because those people are going to be the next generation of, of Catholics and, and people that are in positions of power, and we need to reach them also. And uh, voter registration, yeah. you know, is something that, uh, you know, there's a lot of pro-life events, like like gatherings like that, pro-life yeah. talks, yes. or pro-life events, like there's going to be a lot of marches and whatnot that are being planned okay. uh, for January, right? Yes, for all the, yeah. all that. of course. Now, I always encourage our friends at the Walk for Life West Coast have actually done this yes. uh, at my request. They had a voter registration Good. table Good. there in the midst of that big crowd. Yes. Now, I'm talking to our friends at the March for Life. They haven't done this yet, but there should be a, a, a table in the midst of, of that crowd, too, at the March for Life. Yes. It's like, hey, wait a second. We got pro-life people here. We got exactly the type of people that are going to vote our way. Are they registered? Many of them won't be registered. Excellent Let's point. get them registered. And I will also say this on the prayer side, that I think prayers before the Blessed Sacrament are very effective in, in standing up for the culture of death, because the, there are graces. I, I've, I've noticed that it's unexplainable how some pro-abortion people end up becoming not just Catholic like Bernard Nathanson, but we see it over and over again. How is it that these people who are so uh, much into killing unborn babies have a conversion? And I can't, mm. uh, I can't explain it other than I, th- I really think it's the power of many people praying for their conversion. So I would encourage everybody to put that as a intention. And I think, Father Frank, you have a book throughout the year praying for the unborn. we got only a minute left. Can you name that book for the people? Pro-Life Reflections that's for it. Every Day. And that's, that's also the website. That's Pro-Life the website. So check it out. Day. Father, one more time for people to donate to Priests for Life. How can they do yes. that? Yes. Prolifegift.org. Prolifegift.org. All right. And I want to thank you for all the years of service to the unborn. And may God bless you and your ministry, and I hope we can do it again next month. And I want to thank all of our listeners who support Virgin Most Powerful because, yes, we're pro-life. Why? Because our Lord was pro-life. It's the gospel, a gospel of life, and we need to implement that. And I think, Father, you gave us some good ways to do it. So I want to thank you again. And Father, what state should we be living in? The state of grace. You got it. You got it. And don't forget, Our Lady of Fatima said souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. Make those sacrifices for the unborn. Make the sacrifices for the people who are killing unborn babies that they will open their eyes and see that that is wrong and that they have a, a metanoia, a conversion. May God bless you.